Hi, listeners. Welcome to episode four, season two of You'll Think of Something. Just so you remember what it is we're all doing here, uh, this is a podcast that provides a space for focus discussion on how to be a productive, creative person, whether it's on a team, in your own personal work, or just in your life. And I'm one of your hosts, Allie Perkins. I'm a longtime talent professional with loads of experience in facilitation, training design, and program management. And I'm Kara Oropalo, your other host. I'm an animation executive who specializes in training and artistic development with a love of production management and the creative process. So we talk about a lot of different things on this podcast, but today we're talking about delegation and our culture of martyrdom. And just what it means to feel the pressure to get it all done and do it all yourself. Yeah. (laughs) I know. (laughs) This this one's going to be a toughie. But, you know, it's really relevant right now um, because we've been balancing work and life in ways that we didn't even really know were possible over the last basically two years now. For sure. And, And now I feel like also there are lots of Uh, industry activity or just professional activity uh, that signals that we're starting to kind of recognize the tax that doing everything ourselves takes um, on our mental and physical well-being. Yeah, for sure. And it's interesting because um, I think that uh, people sometimes don't realize that delegation and the topic of delegation Um, is directly linked to this idea of doing everything all the time or, you know, being uh, active and, and, and engaged with your like work email or your, your professional life all the time. Um, And so that's what I'm excited to talk about today is the fact that like some of this is not anyone else's fault, but our own. And you're excited to wait, you're excited to talk about this. Oh, I am. I am excited to talk about it. If there's one thing I'm great at now, it's delegating. (laughs) But I recognize that like this is something that took me a really long time to learn how to do. Um, And and it only came from the fact that like I was at a place of of thinking I had to do everything myself in the culture Mm -hmm. of martyrdom and thinking that everything had to be perfect. Um, And because of that, um, I was just getting so stressed out, right? So, so again, that's why I feel like this idea of delegation is so closely linked to our like professional martyrdom that we all bring in. So today we're going to be talking about how these two topics intertwine, and I'd like to start first with delegation. Um, I think that we struggle to delegate because we feel like we personally need to get it all done. Um, And I think that's a little bit different than this sense of, again, it's related to, but it's different than martyrdom, which is uh, martyrdom, I think, is is more about issues of like ego and self-worth. And um, it it has to do with like uh, more of like what we attach to like our professional worth, which is a little bit different than this concept of delegation. So let's talk about delegation first. (laughs) Um, and I, I, I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on this, of course, Allie, as we go. Um, but I'm going to I'm going to talk a little bit about some of the, the context or some of the t- stuff that I cover um, when I talk about delegation in my workshops. So the first thing I want to say is that really, at the end of the day, delegation is all about trust. And what I mean by that is um, that when we trust other people to get the work done, then we are willing to give those people the work. If we don't trust them, then we feel like we have to keep it all and that we are the ones who have to get it all done. Um, so I'm going to, to quote uh, Charles Feltman here. And by the way, the reason I was exposed to Charles Feltman, of course, is because of the wonderful Brene Brown. So I also always want to tip my hat to Ms. Brown. <laughs> Um, But I was going to say that uh, Charles Feltman wrote this book called The Thin Book of Trust. And what Charles says is trust is choosing to risk making something you value vulnerable to another person's actions. And this can be true in like our personal lives. Like, uh, for example, I know um, that I have like a sibling who struggles to uh, give her husband tasks in the house 
because she thinks that he's not going to pack the girls' lunches as well as she can. So that could be a thing. Um, But this also shows up in our public lives um, or in our professional lives. Uh, For example, you know, uh, when we're choosing to give that uh, person who reports to us um, a a more sizable chunk of the assignment, uh, the thing that you know how to do really well. And so you just want to get it done yourself because you know you can get it done. Um, those are the moments I think when, when trust comes into play. And so the other side of of, of what Charles Feltman says, the other side of it is, is that distrust is what's important to me is not safe with this person in this situation. And that to me, when you first, you know, talked to me about this, I think that's what rang a chord in me because, um, I find it very hard to delegate. It's something that I'm learning to grow in and I'm challenging myself to do more. Um, But when I talk to others who are at the receiving end of this um, inability to delegate, so they're the ones that aren't being trusted, the distrust and that feeling of not being good enough, of not being worthy enough, of never being able to earn that trust is very, very real. And that can cause such a huge, huge valley um, within a relationship, a professional relationship as, as well. Yeah, I totally agree. I think that like, it is that feeling that for me, you're like, oh, no wonder I'm not getting along with this person. Either because if you're the one who's on the receiving end of the distrust, it's like, oh, clearly this person doesn't trust me and it makes me feel really crappy. Or if you're the person who's not trusting the other person to suddenly realize like, oh, I'm making this person feel like a piece of poop every day because I'm not, I'm not trusting them. Like it just sort of, to me, like that idea is like really eye opening. Absolutely. Absolutely. But there are lots of reasons that people struggle to delegate, right? Yeah. 100%. I mean, none of this is coming from, again, some of it is, is, is personal ego because, you know, as we all know, everyone is thinking about themselves, but (laughs) I, I do think that, uh, there are real, uh, like uh, issues that are in place that, that, that stop people from delegating. And, and really we have to get to the, to the base of those before we can solve it. So there's a lot of things like first, I think we hang on to work because we are more comfortable with what we've been doing than what we are supposed to be doing now. I think that happens a lot when people step into new positions or get promoted. Um, and it's natural. It's like, listen, I was promoted because, because I'm, I'm so good at doing this thing. And now you're asking me, to do these things that are like levels above that and stop doing this thing I was really good at. But yes, that's what yeah, that's the whole that's the whole point. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, and I had a producer once who was like, "Listen, I know that it's easy to hang on to this stuff because you can do it in your sleep, but that's why you shouldn't be doing it anymore. I need your head to be free to be able to take on things that are a little bit harder." So that you can take on like these larger ideas or these more like strategic ideas and think about that. And when, when he said that, that made a big difference for me because I was like, oh, I see. You are trying to give me more space so I can be better at this new job that I'm doing. That makes so much sense. And I'd never thought about it before because it's not really supposed to be a piling on of additional work. Yeah. Right. It's supposed to be freeing you of those things that you have mastered that yeah. others need the opportunity to master so right. that you can move on and use your brain power, your skills and your strength to continue to grow in other spaces. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's awesome. I think uh, another reason we struggle to delegate is because mm-hmm. we want to have all the information all the time. If a boss asks a question, yeah. right, we want to be Johnny on the spot. We, we want to be able to say like, yeah, I got that. I got that right here. I know exactly what's going on because I was in contact with the client yesterday, da, 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 da. But it is okay to say, actually, uh, on my team, Jenny handles that report, you know, and not only is that okay to say, because it shows that you know how to delegate, but also it allows you to give Jenny a moment to shine, right? So you can be yeah. like, let's call Jenny in here or let's add Jenny to the email or whatnot. And then that's giving that person a moment to step up to. I think, I mean, super related to this struggle, this particular struggle is that 
um, I think early on in my career because I didn't have degrees uh, or past experience that really supported the um, project management office and IT work that I was doing. Mm -hmm. I really wanted to show that I could I, that I was capable of the work that right. was being sent my way. And so to me, delegation looked like a weakness, like that, right. you know, why would I want to give that opportunity to shine to Jenny when I need it so that I can prove myself that right. I can do this task, even though I'm not like particularly qualified for it on paper. Oh my gosh. That's so true. That's really interesting because Clearly, these people thought you could do it. Otherwise, they wouldn't have put you in this role. Exactly. But that like, you know, idea of imposter syndrome or whatnot is like rearing its head and making you say like, but prove yourself. Prove yourself. <laughs> it's totally true. It's yeah. totally true. And, and just um, and even recognizing that has been so hard uh, to do over the last couple of years as I have grown within a space where I am now qualified on paper to do my job. Right. Um, and so, and, and still like old habits die hard, Kara. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's mm -hmm. true. But that's such a good point. Like a, like a sub bullet of that one is like, we want all the opportunities to shine for ourselves. Yes. Yeah. Oh yes. Especially in such a highly competitive world yeah. um, where we are now seeing um, as, you know, overhead budgets are being reduced totally. um, where we have more people with college degrees um, and those management positions are being held on to longer um, by, um, you know, the generations before us uh -huh. for a lot of reasons. So when we are in competition for, these prized positions, it becomes more cutthroat yes. than it really ever needs to be. Totally. Um, yeah. And so here I am on, you know, in maybe like my third year of my, of my career, thinking that if I just stay up until 3am to finish this PowerPoint. It will show the people that are in that conference room tomorrow that I deserve to be promoted, which yes. now looking back on it, it's like completely delusional, but, <laughs> but it took a long time to, to realize. That. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. No, I totally agree. Oh gosh. That's so funny. Oh, I know. I will my 20s and the things I did <laughs> <laughs> or like how I would talk to my friends about work and how it would be a competition right you know about yeah. like what I could do what I was capable of doing and it's right. just it's so icky yeah icky is a great word for it mm -hmm. that's so funny okay so other reasons why we struggle to delegate um you know like I was saying about trust we we just straight up don't trust our direct reports. We don't trust the people we're working with. Um, and I think this can be direct reports or peers. Yeah. Um, and, and with that, uh, again, I think that uh, the, the buck can't stop there. I think what's important to remember there is that there's still work to be done. So number one, if it's a direct report and you don't trust them, you have to either a give them opportunities to prove themselves so that you can trust them. Like you have to take a chance. You have to give them time to like make mistakes and learn. B, you need to um, give them feedback if you're struggling with that person. Like, and you, you, if you haven't told them, then they're not going to get any better. So you got to give that feedback or C, um, if it's a situation in which it's not going to get any better, you have to move on that. Whether it's like managing that person out or finding a different role for that person, you can't just sit there and be like, well, my life is going to continue to suck or I, I'm going to have to continue to do all this work because this person that's with me is a dead weight. Like you're not doing your job if you don't manage that person to be better. Agreed. 100%. But you said, Allie, I thought it was really interesting because Allie and I were talking through some of these things uh, in the last couple of weeks and you made the the point too that like, okay, even if you have a good person, that you want to delegate to that like preparing to delegate can be really hard. Yes. And that's, I think one of my biggest challenges because I work on a process and I'm responsible for a process that has a lot of moving parts. And in order to get someone prepared to jump into that process, you have to know a lot of details. 
you have to understand um, a lot of different machinations yeah. um, around our organization and, and um, details that are very specific to um, the teams that we're working with, et cetera. And so to give all of that background presentation is basically a job in itself. Right. And so um, I found myself this year in a really sticky situation where I thought I could handle the... All the uh, things. Yes, I thought <laughs> I could handle all the things. And I thought that I could handle, um, you know, just executing on this process solo. Because it's yeah. my job. It's, my, it's basically my, my main responsibility in my job. Um, and then when I realized, no, I need help, I was, I had really... Um, I'd really put myself in a bad position because I hadn't prepared any of the people around me who are completely capable, sure. smart, trustworthy, wonderful coworkers. I had not prepared any of them well enough to step in and help me. Wow. And so it was such a huge lesson for me to learn that if I take the time to bring people with me along the way, it's going to be a lot less painful for me and for them when I ask them for help intentionally. Yes. Oh, that's so good, Allie. Thanks for being honest about that, by the way. It's gross, man. It's it's painful, but it's necessary. And, and I also think that the, and I think that this is, you know, part of this martyrdom thing too, is that, that I, for some of the people that I see that I work with, my, head thinks oh they were just born that way they were literally born and now they know how to delegate and they were they were born knowing how to delegate right or they you know just plopped onto the planet um, completely aware of how to um I don't know give a presentation (laughs) or you know but here's the thing none of us are no none of us are yeah and so I, I think it's important to share with our listeners that you know even as early as um uh, or even as late as last week I was yeah. really I'm still struggling with it yeah right, right, right. Growing as it. Late as last yeah week. exactly <laughs> yeah and I think that uh, yes that's and that's a good what you were saying is a really good example of like a large scale project and you realizing it like too little too late. I also think even on the day to day, this happens that like yeah. people are like, I need another per like this happens all the time in animation that people are like, we need a production assistant. We need a person. We need a person. And we hire them a person. And then they're like, oh, I don't know what to give this person. <laughs> right? Yes. Because it's like, yes. oh, I have to actually take the time to divide my job up. Yes. And, and hand a piece to somebody else. And that takes that takes brain power and that takes time. And sometimes we're in the rat race and we have a hard time stopping to say, let me divide this out so I can hand this to this person and let me train them up and, you know, make sure that they're ready to go. That all takes a lot of time. And I, I mean, my boss, when she was kind of walking me through what needed to be done, she's so in her infinite wisdom, she was like, what do you need? And I couldn't answer her, Kara. Yeah, that's... I couldn't answer her. Right. Which is exactly what you're saying yeah. is that I hadn't taken the time to divide up my job and understand what could be done by somebody else in a much more effective right. or much more timely way. Right. Um, so I won't make those mistakes again. Yeah. But yeah, it's painful to be in that situation where I normally have all of the answers. And in this yeah. case, I did not. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Mm-hmm. Um, I think another thing... Uh, that and this is like the flip side of that, right? Like, so we're talking about struggling to prepare or giving ourselves the time to figure out how to delegate. I think the other thing that sometimes happens to people is like um, the fear of the unknown of what's on the other side. Like, oh, yeah. But what am I going to do once I delegate everything? Do I become inconsequential once yeah. I've given my job to another yeah. person? Am like, I basically communicating to the organization that I am? basically worthless unnecessary yes the irony of this though is like we're so afraid of this but and yet there's always so much work to be done like has that ever actually happened that a no never delegates, like their position away no 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 never and if they do it becomes painfully obvious like it's really yeah. ugly right like yeah like you, if you've seen it happen you go oh that's 
that can't last forever. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's like not going to happen with someone who's like so like thoughtful and conscious about their job, you know? Right. Exactly. That's with the people who are actually lazy and don't want to do their jobs. Right. And if you're listening to this podcast, I don't think you're in that latter yeah, group. You're not that person. <laughs> you're not you're that person. You're going to have plenty to do when you delegate. <laughs> That's right. You're just going to have like larger concepts to to deal with or you're going to be able to project out further or strategize more or be more useful to your boss because you're thinking about the bigger picture. Yeah. So once we've gotten to the point where we can actually delegate, when we've given tasks uh, to other people, they are off our plate. What's left for us to do then? Well, uh, I think that what the mode you need to enter then is a mentorship mode, right? Like, how do you help this person be successful? And as we're going back to this idea of trust, like, you still value this thing that's with this, this task that's with this person. So how do we ensure that that task still gets done in a timely manner and that uh, it's done to the level that you would like it to be done? So I think the things we can do are first understand that they're not going to be perfect right away. Like we have to be able to create a space where mistakes are okay. And this is really hard for people. You Um, don't say. (laughs) (laughs) But I was talking to a TV studio recently about this and the line producer was like, we want our people to know that, you know, uh, everyone needs to jump in and try and that sometimes we're going to make mistakes and that's okay. And I said, well, do you, do you have the time to be able to fix mistakes? And he was like, no, we really don't. <laughs> and I was like, well, then, so... you're, <laughs> then you're not creating a space where it's okay. No. Like that's impossible. So um, we have to understand that things aren't going to be perfect and we have to be all right with that. And that's why we start with little things. And what that looks like, for example, in animation is like if someone's taking notes and they're, you know, are spelling errors, that's Okay. At the beginning, that's okay. Like we can give that person feedback and they can improve. But like words being spelled wrong aren't going to like bring down an entire animated movie. No. You know what I mean? Yes. Even though for you and me, Allie, and for probably many of the people out there, like we cringe when we see that kind of stuff. Oh, sure. But does it, but does it have a real impact? Yeah. I mean, it's negligible and I never remember. Right. You know? Yeah, exactly. So if the work's getting done it's okay. Right. And we can, so that's, that's what I mean when I say we have to create a a space where those mistakes are okay. Um, And if there is a a larger mistake made um, that hopefully we've given this person space by doing things like checking their work, you know, beforehand, or you're both doing the work and comparing work to each other at first, obviously you want to wean off of that after a while, but like you're creating spaces where a person can see the work done well, or has a moment to check in with you prior to submitting that work. And therefore you can hopefully catch some of those mistakes and nothing major is going to happen. Like no, you know, big erroneous thing is going to go out to the, to the head honcho or anything like that. (laughs) No, but, but I think that, you know, in order to mitigate those errors as well, um, you have to have your direct report to your peers be comfortable with with you and come to you with questions, right? So you have to create that space. And that's something that at first I really struggled with um, because I almost felt like the questions were going to be more work for me. Mm Mm-hmm. And sometimes they are, but usually it's good work that I didn't have the space to think about before, Yes. but because someone's been thinking about my work in a different way, um, or they're they're posing a question in a different way, I'm able to really explore whatever that answer is and be better prepared in the long run. And not only that, but man, I'm in a, I'm in a space right now where I get asked questions. I mean, I, the moment my light turns green. I am inundated (laughs) with questions. And I think that this is one of those places where my roots in like retail and service industry really, really shine. Um, And I mean, I've had a job since I was 16, um, either like scooping ice cream or, um, you know, uh, working retail, just I've always had a job and, and there are days when you go in and you do not want to be there and you not want to help the person that's at the cash register, but you do anyways and you keep going. Right. And I feel like 
that is something that I learned then that I carry with me now that yeah. I answer the phone. I say, what can I help you with today? Yeah. And by the time I'm done with that interaction, that sense of dread is gone. Of course. That annoyance is gone yeah. because the person needed help and I can definitely help them. And I love helping people. Yeah. And that's what I was going to say is like at the end of the day, like answering questions is part of your job. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it is. It has to be. I will say that you can set boundaries around that. Like I get people get frustrated sometimes. I think when it's like, oh, I have this person who reports to me who just sends me like inane questions, like on Gchat all day long. And you can, you can set parameters. You can say, listen, I'm available to you from nine to nine 15 in the morning. And then we'll check in after lunch and then we'll check in end of day. And until then, just know that I trust you. And if you have to make decisions, I'll trust you on those decisions and we'll, we'll work it out later. Right. So you don't have to like, I think that's the other thing with delegation is people sometimes are like, I do need, I need to be available for questions all the time. And this is exhausting. You don't have to, not all the time. You might have to, Allie, because of your job. Though. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it is, it, it, but we have busy periods, you know? Yeah. And so, and during these busy periods, I know that I need to be available. Yeah. And, and part of that is also knowing or giving people that time, like, like letting yeah. people know that there's time for that. And that yes. not every, not every fire is an urgent one. Right. Yeah. There are some that if you just use the extinguisher yourself, yeah, it'll be fine. Yeah, and totally. we can talk about the aftermath later. Yeah, <laughs> like exactly, this. exactly. And it's like again, it's like I give you that trust and that space to figure it out. Yeah, absolutely. What else? I think um, I think a big one when we're delegating is showing people what to do when you make a mistake. Right? What do like, you do? What do you do? There? <laughs> I own it. Yeah, yeah. I own it. Um, yes. I, I usually apologize for it, probably apologize too much, to be honest. Um, but and then I also um, hopefully in general, like I own it, I say, I'm sorry, I say, this is what we'll do to make sure this doesn't happen in the future. Um, and I usually ask for help. Like, oh, I biffed this. Can I, I know I should have gotten this done yesterday. I'm sorry. I'll get it done today is anybody else available to help me get this done? Wait, hold on. I biffed this. <laughs> I biffed it. <laughs> what does that even mean? What part of the country is that from? <laughs> that's a good question. I don't know if that is. I'm going to look it up. Oh, that's interesting. Here's what it comes from. Um, is It says meaning of biffed in English is to hit someone. But biffed it in our terms, I think is um, like, I think it's a, it comes from skateboarding slang. Like I biffed it like I... <laughs> I ate the cement kind of a thing. No, it, in like Midwestern, it would be like, oh, gosh, darn. Or, and, and it would involve ope, O-P-E, ope, ope, ope. I'm so sorry about that. I'm so sorry. Oh, that was all my fault. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I love how you can just like turn it on. Oh, Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> anyway, um, so that's, yeah, that's usually how I handle a mistake. And I think it's important for people to see that, I can admit that I'm wrong and yes. I think it's important for people to see that um, it's okay to ask for help or to ask for more information or, you know, to ask others for support is an okay thing. Mm-hmm. What do you do? Um, almost something identical to what oh, you good. do as well. Uh, so I definitely say like, I want you to know that I own this. So yeah. I, and I want you to know that I'm an accountable person and I made this mistake. So this is yeah. on me. Um, and then I will say, this is what I'm going to do in the future to make sure it doesn't happen again. Right. And then I will also try to offer a solution for right now. Oh, and that's that, good. Yeah. And that way they know that I've already thought about it, that I'm not asking anyone to clean up my messes, but mm-hmm. that also I need input from other people because I made a mistake. So I'm right. not going to just ask you to let me like plow ahead without right. any consultation after I just made a huge error. Um, mm, like and that. so, yeah. And so now it's like, this is what I'm planning to do. How do you think that sounds? Or is there yeah. anything else you would suggest? Yeah. Um, and that's really what collaboration is about. It's about what's, what having support is about too. Yeah. 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 That's great. <laughs> I love that. I think another thing that we can do as uh, delegators is keep our peers and our boss updated on what's going on. Like we can say, FYI, I'm handling legal clearances off to my coordinator 
And uh, that means that things might be a little bit bumpy as she's getting up and running. So please give us some grace as we work through this together. Kara, I'm so glad you used the word grace because it's a word that I use a lot in terms of growth and development. Um, I think that others need to give each other more grace in the professional landscape. I think that um, we need to give ourselves more grace in the professional and personal landscape. Um, And I think that I use this so much because we have, or my, the company that I work for has a really wonderful culture of internal development. Mm -hmm. So they um, really capture um, internal talent that can be translatable across many areas uh, or many businesses. And they use that to grow people. Um, and so you may not be 100% qualified for a job or you may not have had specific experience in a kind of role, but they'll place you in that role for growth. Wow. And I think it's absolutely beautiful. It's really the ideal way to right. grow and develop and have a well-rounded, holistic, professional experience. Um, but it comes with a lot of pain points, right? Yeah. <laughs> a lot of learning, a lot yeah. of, of messing up or not knowing everything. Yeah. Um, and um, it, it's really up to the people around you to give you grace as you learn, to support you as you learn, yeah. and to give yourself grace so that you don't run yourself into the ground. Right. You know, so that you are giving yourself space and room to make mistakes. In yeah. fact, creating that environment for yourself where it's okay to make mistakes. Right. I like it too, because I think when I think of grace, I think of like, you know, taking deep breaths and approaching things with like your head held high and like walking through despite the difficulties. Right. And I like it because I'm like, wouldn't it be nice if we all did that for each other? Like, you know, I don't know. It's just like a lovely image of like everyone being like, and we shall overcome. We shall persevere together. <laughs> yeah, it makes me happy. <laughs> well, because we're we're all operating under this stress and pressure independently of yeah. one another. Yeah. So it only makes sense that if we could just do a better job of recognizing it within our professional groups and our peer sets. Yeah. That we could be more supportive of one yeah, another. Totally, totally. And the last point that I want to make about what delegation or mentorship looks like in the workspace is that uh, if you're doing it right, I think that you're also um, subconsciously broadcasting that you're ready for a promotion too. Really? Yeah. And I think that people don't recognize that part of it, that it's like, I think people think I have to be Johnny on the spot with the answers and I have to be the one who knows everything all the time and that that's what leads to you getting promoted. But I think if you have a well-oiled machine with your people and your processes and everything's going well and it's awesome, that's when your bosses are like, wow, look how great this person is doing with this group of people and this content. Let's move them up to something. Like, let, honestly, it's usually let's give them a bigger problem to solve, right? <laughs> but, <laughs> but you're right. promotions are. <laughs> it's indicative of good people management. It's in- right. indicative of... Um, well-developed leadership skills. Right. Uh, so yeah, you're absolutely right that that is and would be um, a great indicator of readiness. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And plus, <laughs> I think um, something that I always I, I always like to talk about is this concept of the lottery theory, um, which is what if you win the lottery tomorrow and get to quit your job? You want to be able to do that. You want to be able to be like, peace out, suckers. I'm buying an island. <laughs> I'll see you all later. And you don't want everything to collapse without you. And also, like, let's just be honest. And this is like a good subway or segue into the culture of martyrdom. Like, it's not going to collapse without you. Like, you are not the end all be all. Like, it is going to be okay if you leave, right? And so we want to just, like, build people up and set everyone else up for success, um, knowing that, like, they will survive without us. Let's try to make it a little easier when it happens. <laughs> I love that you brought that up because I've had that, I've had that feeling yeah. or that perception 
when I was exiting jobs where, um, not that I exited on bad terms, but that I was feeling the pressure or I wasn't getting what I wanted or right. I was working myself into the ground. And, and so like when I left, I was like, let's see what they do without me. You'll be <laughs> sorry. Yeah, right? exactly. <laughs> well, they're fine. They're totally fine. <laughs> Um, and, and that is just, you know, we talk about this a lot, but like, I should have been using the energy around that for different things, right? right. I should have been refocusing. Yeah. I should have been learning how to delegate, I should yeah. have been learning how to do different things versus just being bitter right. and like <laughs> trying to find a new job. Um, so yeah, I think that it's a really bitter pill to swallow that very, very few organizations um, have crumbled to the ground <laughs> because their HR training person left. So. <laughs> Or any one singular person for that matter. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Um, But man, do we love being the martyr? I know. I mean, why is that? I don't know, man. Like we have this like strange culture of martyrdom that exists in the corporate world right now where it's like we feel put upon all the time. And yet half of the putting upon is done by ourselves. Like we are the ones who are unable to let go of tasks. We are the ones who think like I'm the only one who can save this situation. Um, and we are the ones who are putting ourselves in this space of, of you know, um, I, I, of like, I'm not going to give anybody else the information. So I'm going to be the only one who has the information. So therefore I'm, I'm going to be so necessary, like, and invaluable at any moment. And I just like, what does that say about who we are as people? Like, what is the deal with our egos that we do that? I don't know. And I, I mean, a couple of places where I think it comes from, right. Is this like hustle culture For that sure. we are so deeply embedded in work, work, work all the time, work hard, right. play hard, you know, this right. kind of, I, I feel like there's lots of like Instagram quotes that <laughs> really support this uh, right. lifestyle. Right. Um, and one of the reasons I do think we are turning a corner and kind of recognizing this rise of martyrdom is because we have had this like weird work-life balance yeah. in the last year. Um, or imbalance, truly. Um, truly. And so now we have had, or some of us, right? I'm not going to say everyone, because some people have had to keep on keeping yeah. on, right? Yeah, and, seriously. And and so now we've had the privilege to turn around and say, wait, where were my priorities? Right. What What's going on here? What am I spending my life doing? Yeah. Nothing, nothing... Like I was saying before, just because I stayed up till 3 a.m. instead of asking my boss for an extension. Yeah. Doesn't make me the next boss. It just makes me somebody who can't manage their time properly. Yeah, for sure. And I think that, uh, yeah, what's interesting about that is we're starting to see this like worker revolution Mm -hmm. that's coming about after the pandemic um, that is coming from like all like socioeconomic levels from mm-hmm. like all like areas of people where folks are like, my time is worth more. Yes. So either a, I need to be paid more, which is why we see that there's, you know, there aren't workers for fast food places because guess what? It's not worth it to be there for $8 an hour. <laughs> yeah. Um, or it's like, uh, we're seeing situations like, um, in Hollywood right now, the Yahtzee, Yahtzee strike, which is like literally about to happen by the time this comes out, we'll know what the situation is. And if you want to learn more about that, you can go to the uh, Instagram account. Um, and you, but you can, you can just look up IAT or IASTE. I'll put the notes, I'll put it in the notes. Um, and it's, it's a collection of unions in Hollywood that are basically at the breaking point because they're like, listen, these, these hours that we're keeping, um, the freelance mentality, the money that we're making, this isn't worth it for the mental cost on us. Right. And so it's, it's, and then, and then you also see, like, we've been able to see, like the New York times has reported, Washington post has reported that like more people have left their jobs in the last year um, than ever before. And it's because millennials are realizing like, wait again, what, what am I doing? What am I spending my time doing? 
So we're, we're in the middle of a worker revolution. And I do think that means that we're going to get away from this culture of martyrdom. But there are enough people, Allie and myself included, who were brought up in this culture that it's really hard to let go of. Absolutely, it is. And I think we were raised by parents, too, who instilled this kind of like work hard, um, and you'll get what you want. And then I think that, that what our generation is realizing is that working hard isn't directly correlated to getting what you want and earning what that work is worth. And you're right, we have two options, either you change it, or we'll change the way we work. Yeah, right. And all of this, like, I mean, we would be remiss if we didn't mention, like, the fact that some of this is coming from um, Black Lives Matter, that this is coming from, like, a place of also us recognizing that there is a lot of, like, social injustices happening in the world. And that, uh, so people are realizing that, like, oh, just working hard and, quote, unquote, pulling myself up by my bootstraps isn't necessarily going to get me what I deserve. Mm-hmm. Right. Like there. And so we're learning, we're realizing that there's a lot of privilege in place here. Um, so anyway, it's just like, we're, we're in a place, thankfully where it's changing and I don't know where it's going to go to. Um, but I do think that right now what happens is that a lot of the people who are at the top of, of, of the echelon in uh, various company cultures definitely d- like have this culture of martyrdom. And therefore, we see it get propagated throughout the cult, like bef- throughout the company culture. And it's like, well, I see my boss answering emails in the middle of the night. So I need to answer emails in the middle of the night. Or I see that this person is never spending time with their kids. So I feel guilty for spending time with my kids. So we have to understand, like, as we all of us move into places of leadership, that we become the person who's helping to set those cultural norms and that we have to stop that sort of behavior or let people know that it's okay to have like that balance. Absolutely. Yeah. 100%. Mm-hmm. So what do we do in order to make sure that we don't ourselves become martyr? We don't get caught up in a cycle of martyrdom. I think there's like micro and macro things because I think on a daily basis, um, it's about making sure that you are stepping away and separating yourself, which can be actually really hard to do when, you don't have a commute anymore to separate work and home. One of my friends, Julie, always says that like she loads up her bag when she's leaving work with like all this shit that she's going to do when she gets home. And then by the time she gets home, she's like, no, I'm not. No. Right? Yeah. Yeah. But if you don't have that separation, you don't do it. Right. So I think the fact that so many of us are still doing work from home and will continue to means that we have to find ways to like separate ourselves right and shut that part of our brain off like and what you know whatever it is whatever you need to do for yourself to like cut that tie or or like signify the day is over let me review my to-do list blah 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 like you need to do a thing so I think that there's like little things we need to do on the daily um but then I also think the bigger picture thing is like um sort of creating a culture where you can like look at your job description or your like primary objectives every few months and be like, am I actually spending time on the things that I'm supposed to be spending time on? If not, why not? And how do I, how do I get out of that? Is it that I need more support so that I can delegate? Is it that I need, that I need to change my job description because it's no longer applicable? Um, You know what I mean? Like what I think we need to like, we need to have that like upper level every like three to six months being like, am I doing the things I'm supposed to be doing? Am I spending my time in the right ways? What do you think? You know, I think that it is a matter of self-reflection and really truly thinking about what will matter to you in 10 years and what Mm -hmm. will matter to you in 20 years. And, um, I think that now that I have 10 years behind me in my professional career, mm-hmm. I can go back and see little 25 year old Allie and think about what I had prioritized at that point in terms of work and just um, wanting to show or like wanting to show my competence and right. wanting to be part of that hustle culture where I just immediately um, subscribed to it. Yeah. And now I think about how little that matters to me as I mm-hmm. have a 
beautiful family. Mm-hmm. I have hobbies and interests that really fulfill me. Yeah. And, and now I think about when, you know, hopefully in like 50 years, unless like the world implodes because who knows <laughs> um, at this point. Um, but what will I look back on and say, wow, I'm really glad I spent my life doing that. Right. And just getting that perspective every now and again is really, really important. Yeah. Yeah. Seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it makes me think of, I've talked about this guy before um, and I can, I can link him in the um, show notes, but um, Sean, Acker or Sean Aker, who's a, 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 a guy who focuses on positivity in the workplace and like, um, and, and just how do we bring like our best selves to work. And one of the things he says too about this is like, don't put success and happiness over the horizon. Yeah. Right. And when we do that, that that's what um, makes us feel like we have to hustle towards it and lose focus of like the things we're doing in the now. Um, and I think that's what contributes to it, too, is it's like, well, I'm not going to take a break now. I will when I get there. And then when I get to that position, this is going to be great. But by the time you get to that position, you've like, you know, blown out your mental and physical health or. Not and then you think it's the next thing that's going yeah. to make you happy. Yeah, right. So um it's easy to talk about this in theory, but I think that in practice that looks like, you know, saying no sometimes, saying I need an extension, saying I need help, um, and not necessarily um, modeling the bad behaviors that the people around you are having or the people above you are having, but knowing that it's for the greater good of like your happiness and well-being and health in the daily. That's such a good reminder, Kara, because you said something earlier about how as we all step into roles in leadership, we all do. Yeah. We, we Even if you're not given a formal title, you will eventually mentor someone. You will be an example to someone. You will help yeah. train someone. Yeah. So as you step into these roles in leadership, not modeling the bad behaviors is quintessential. Yeah. So if you're not going to do it for yourself, do it for somebody else. You oh, know? that's nice. Yeah. That's <laughs> great. I agree. Well, we didn't solve the problem, but I'm interested to hear from folks about, you know, the culture of martyrdom, how it affects your business. If you have ideas on how to combat it, what we can do as a culture to kind of get past it, like share that. Let us know. Yes, please. Uh, so other than um, learning how to not be martyrs mm-hmm. and learning how to delegate so that we don't turn out to be martyrs, uh, what are we learning this week, Kara? Oh, 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 I'm learning about a super fun new tool called Miro. Oh my gosh, I'm obsessed with it. Um, I will put the link in the show notes. Uh, It's a visualization tool and I'm using a licensed version. So I don't know. I know you can get it for free, Miro.com. I don't know if it has as many templates or like pre-filled sort of, you know, whiz bangers and doodads like I have. Um, But I will say that it's been great. Um, It allows you to... Um, chart like uh, organizational structures and flow charts and make Venn diagrams. It's basically a visualization tool that allows you to, um, it combines like the best of Trello and the best of PowerPoint in like one place. I love it. I love it. Kara like sent me a text message. She was like, look at these, um, <laughs> look at these templates. I was like, I was like these so are pretty. amazing. <laughs> I'm really excited to dive into that with you too. Yeah. So it's been really fun. Um, I am in my new role, really trying to chart out not only like what my responsibilities are, but how I interact with other um, departments. And it's been a super useful tool for me to not only explain to myself, but to explain to other people, like, here's how I think I intersect with you marketing or with you studio relations or with you recruiting. Like, and that's a, it's a really nice um, visual tool for that. That is so exciting. Thank you, Kara. I think a lot of people that listen to this podcast are going to love that. I think so, too. Um, And what about you, Allie? What are you learning about right now? (sighs) Nothing quite as heady as that, trust me. But um, my husband and I just started watching Squid Game yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And um, I was lucky enough to not be uh, privy to any sort of media about it. 
Um, I'd seen just like snippets of uh, or like images and stills uh, on like my Instagram or on TV or whatnot, but I knew absolutely nothing about it. Um, so um, that's what I'm learning about this week. Um, and it's just been really fun to also, um, we are recording this at the beginning of October and this is, and Squid Game is pretty scary. <laughs> Um, and so it feels like it's set the tone for kind of spooky season and um, also uh, the power with which streaming services have to share content. Yeah, and totally. It's just amazing how, you know, this this content, even five years ago, would have been a lot harder for us to have obtained um, for it to have been yeah. an international phenomenon. Right. Because it's know, a Korean show, right? It is. Yes, it have is. that access. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I've just been thinking a lot about that lately. And and to kind of tie into this, I have been following the Yahtzee um, uh, coverage and just kind of the um, support from others. And yeah. I've also been thinking about um, streaming credits. Yeah. And how people who work on shows that stream or on, or particularly on streaming uh, networks aren't necessarily given the time or air for credits uh, like you would on network television or on traditional movie services. Um, And so anyways, I've been thinking a lot about how um, we get our content, what we aren't getting too. um, And how that kind of impacts our worldview. So yeah, yeah, you're um, so right. Catch me watching episode three later tonight. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Thanks so much, Allie. All right. And that concludes episode four of season two. As always, if you have any feedback for us, ideas, input, anything like that, delegation or otherwise, send it to ytos.podcast at gmail.com. And don't worry, friends, you'll think of something. Thank you for listening to this episode of You'll Think of Something. Just as a reminder, the views expressed in this podcast are the personal thoughts and feelings of the hosts and do not reflect those of their affiliated workplaces or larger organizations. To find more resources from the show, visit ytos-podcast.com. You can follow us on Instagram at ytos.podcast. And please email us with feedback or with suggestions for future shows at ytos.podcast at gmail.com. And remember, don't worry, you'll think of something.